You listen to me. You're Nick fucking... Woo Cage! Hello and welcome to the Nick fucking Woo Cage cast. My name is Rob and I'm joined as always by Cat Valor. Cat, how you doing? Doing good, how are you? I am good. I am good. A little tired. Uh, you know, watch football a lot this weekend and stuff, and, and now I'm, I'm exhausted, but I'm ready to talk about Nicolas Cage, and uh, we're going to be talking about the movie City of Angels coming up here. Um, as soon as we get through Nick Cage news, there's not a lot. Um, I did see a couple of interesting... He's, he's done some interviews. I, I don't know if it's surrounding dream scenario, I assume, is mostly what he's talking about, but um, in one of the interviews I noticed that he mentioned... That, um, he hopes audiences will go back and revisit his uh, film Bringing Out the Dead that he did with Scorsese because he thinks a lot of people missed that one. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to, to watching that one. I saw it in theaters when it came out and I really liked it, but I haven't seen it. I've seen it maybe once since then. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking about that when we get there. Um, and then another thing that he mentioned was he, was, uh, he said he was surprised that Disney has never come back for a third National Treasure movie. That is surprising. Yeah. Um, but uh, apparently he doesn't know the answer to why that hasn't happened either. Um, and yeah, that is surprising because my understanding is those movies did well, right? I, I don't really know. Yeah. You know. That, that's what I thought. I, yeah. I thought they were pretty successful. Um, regarding Dream Scenario, um, Francis Ford Coppola um went to, apparently francis ford coppola first of all is on instagram which is incredible uh i did not know that <laughs> that um, is strange to think yeah, about yeah it's almost like there are th these things happen every once in a while where these sort of uh elder statesmen pop up in these weird places but for him yeah. to have an instagram account of his own seems really weird like martin scorsese has been showing <laughs> up on tiktok uh because yeah. his daughter has a tiktok account and he yeah. does videos with her that um, makes sense yeah like, so that's, that's one that i can see yeah yeah and they're great but i don't know if you've watched any of them or not but they're, they're they're really pretty good um but apparently uh yeah francis ford coppola yeah. just has his own instagram account i might have that to is give... really wild we were we were talking just yesterday about how like once you get a certain level of famous you don't really have to do anything anymore uh we yeah. were talking about it with like Elton John not having a cell phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, but I think that's kind of, I feel like this is one step of fame, one fame level above that, even yeah. where it's like, you can choose not to have an Instagram. You don't have to be on the hell that is Instagram if you're famous enough. But if you're even more famous than that, you can just do whatever the hell you want on Instagram. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that. I guess so. He's. I just looked it up. Francis Ford Coppola is 84 years old. Um, I can't imagine being 84 years old and running an Instagram. Right, <laughs> like, right. I just... 84 years old, and he's made some of the greatest movies ever, and uh, I guess he just wants to be on Instagram. He's making wine and stuff and wants to be on Instagram now, I guess. I, I don't know. But um, he posted on Instagram um, a photo of Nicolas Cage in Dream Scenario, uh, and uh, the, the message read, My nephew Nicholas always pulls a wonderful performance out of his hat. Even as a little kid, he could imitate a computer. 
His work in Michael Sarnowski's Pig and his most recent performance in Christopher Borgley's Dream Scenario is beyond an old uncle's praise. Aww. So, very nice Aww. message of uh, praise for Nicolas Cage coming from his uncle, Francis Ford Coppola. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to have to drop Francis Ford Coppola a follow on the gram. And I think, is that how the kids say it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I, that doesn't sound right, but I couldn't correct you. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm at the stage of old that I don't know what cool people say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. That is all I had. I don't know if you saw anything else you wanted to mention or, or not. I don't know. No, I, I don't have anything else this week. Okay. All right. Well, so we'll jump, Nick Cage week. We will jump into City of Angels. Yeah. Yeah, we will. In a place called the City of Angels, one of us Dr. Rice. Go, 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 go. is about to meet one of them. Have you ever been seen, Cassio? Have you ever been seen like you were a man? Come on. Come on, don't do that. He's going. He's not going anywhere. That doctor... In the operating room, she looked right at me. She didn't see you, Seth. She can't see you. No one can see you unless you want them to. And if I want her to? What do you want her to? Hello, Maggie. How did you know my name? Are you in despair? I lost a patient. It wasn't your fault, Maggie. Those eyes, the way you looked right, right down into me. I can't see you, but I know you're there. Who are you? Nathaniel Messenger. Former celestial body, recent addition to the human race. You want proof? You can speak every language. You travel with the speed of thought. And you're reading my mind right now. Stop that. You're doing it. Here you are again. This is Earl. He told me. <laughs> what else did he tell you? He worries that you never sleep and he loves to see you smile. <laughs> I wait all day just hoping for one more minute with you, and I don't even know you. What do you want to know? Are you married? No. Are you homeless? No. Are, are you a drummer? Seth knows no fear, no pain. He hears music in the sunrise, but he'd give it all up. He loves you that much. What's that taste like? You don't know what a pear tastes like? I don't know what a pear tastes like to you. Angels was released April 10th, 1998. The budget was $65 million. The box office, uh, $198.7 million. Uh, so it did well. Uh, I I think the reviews weren't bad either, if I remember correctly. Like, it, it did okay, at least when it came I, out. Right now, it's, I was going to say, I, it's not aged particularly well in terms yeah. of ratings, but this had a lot of, like, this was a thing when it came out. Um, and I so and watching it 
Um, it unlocked because I remember having seen it as a kid. We talked about this last week. Like I had seen this one before, mm-hmm. um, I, but I didn't remember it real well. Mm-hmm. I unlocked a lot of like <laughs> childhood memories <laughs> sitting down to watch this today. I'm pretty sure I can't say like a hundred percent sure. This might have been the first Nicolas Cage movie I ever saw. Okay. Like it, it, it came back pretty strong once I was watching it. It was like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, for me, um, I had never seen this movie before. I remember when it came out, um, I knew was familiar with the Goo Goo Dolls song Iris. Yeah. And uh, I had seen the trailer for the movie and I thought, well, there's no way in hell this is meant for <laughs> me to watch. So I never watched it um, until the other day when I finally did sit down and watch it. Uh, what do you think of Nicolas Cage and City of Angels? So I, it's really it's. This isn't the kind of Nick Cage performance that I like to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not my favorite Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. th- on screen. But I do think he did really well with the material. Um, I-, I think this was just kind of one of the... And and it's also strange because it's like, I, if you had given me the script, I don't think I would have thought Nicolas Cage needs to do this. But having seen Nicolas Cage in the movie, I don't know who else could have done it. Like, there were just a lot of little quirks and mannerisms that felt very consistent and very much like something he was bringing to the table mm-hmm. uh, that I really appreciated. Uh, so I-, I think he did good. Okay. Um, yeah, reading him talk about his performance, he said that, um, in in making the movie, the, the thing that he realized he had to do was, um, he had to sign a kind of remain still instead of the big sweeping gestures that he's used to making. Yes. Um, and that made things kind of tough for him. Um, I thought this performance was fine. I mean, it's, it's what the movie calls for, but. It, there's nothing there. I, I do have a note that the the movie finally gets interesting with about a half hour left when Nicolas Cage wakes up. It seems like once he becomes human. Yes. And and he doesn't. Uh, he's just trying to make his way through uh, the real world. So I want to talk about that again, like when we get there, because mm-hmm. I think that's the movie I wanted to see. Yes. That's my favorite part of this film. I have a lot of like very strong feelings about that last half hour. I really love the close-up shots of his hands as he's failing to do like very normal things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the close-up of like him not being able to turn on the shower, like because it's so dramatic and yeah. like well shot, and it's just Nick Cage like awkwardly tapping his hand against the shower <laughs> thing. Like that's the kind of and it's the kind of thing that makes me think cuz you watch like the beginning of this and he doesn't do anything exceptional like like he said, I guess he's very still in it. He's very mm-hmm. otherworldly and it's a very subtle performance which is just like not what I want from him. But then watching that last half hour was like kind of what sealed it in that this might be a good performance from him because it's like I don't think that was something that was unintentional. Like yeah. I it felt very polished, I guess, in yeah. comparison to him being human. And yeah, he, he's doing exactly what what the movie needs him to do. Yeah, um, I I don't doubt that. I just I don't I don't I would not have put him in this movie. 
<laughs> that's just <laughs> I, for a number of reasons i would not have put him in this movie uh one of the biggest reasons being that then i would not have had to watch this movie for this podcast <laughs> um <laughs> that's that's how uh i i viewed it now you uh as we talked before we started recording briefly seem to have a different take on this movie than i did i i do um, have a different take yeah because i really hated this film i man here's the thing is that on paper i also really hate this film i think it's very over the top it takes itself way too seriously it's very cheesy it is i <laughs> it, it's like a meg ryan romance movie from the 90s uh with all of those kind of staples attached to it but also somehow very pretentious and mm -hmm. like full of itself I was very irritated uh, when it started because I was like starting to remember uh, what was coming up. And I was like, this is just the dumbest thing. And it's uh, like a cheesy love story. And it's everything that I hated about this like era of movies in the 90s. Like I grew up with a whole bunch of just like over the top Meg Ryan movies. My mom's a big Meg Ryan fan, which I think kind of informs how this was such a big staple in my house growing up. Uh, between my dad's love of very sad films and my mom's love of <laughs> Meg Ryan. Like, uh -huh. this just checks a lot of uh, Velour household boxes. Uh, but I was... <laughs> While I was watching it, though, I got so invested. And I, I'm so mad that I did because I think this is just so dumb on paper. Like, I really wanted to hate this one. And I just... I, but it... I didn't okay. <laughs> the thing like I got into it and it's like but and it the more I liked it like the more it progressed and the more I was like into this story the more frustrated I got at myself because it's so dumb and I just like I wanted to hate it yeah but it works right. I, it worked mm -hmm. for me I got it mm -hmm. all right um <laughs> <laughs> it does though <laughs> it it so <laughs> I did hate it, so I, I accomplished All that right. much out of this well, viewing. Well, you're doing um, better than me. Yeah, I mean, the problem with it is, like, you talk about it being like one of those Meg Ryan movies from, from the, you know, 90s or whatever, but the thing about, I like Meg Ryan, and I like some of the movies that, uh, like, a lot of movies that she's in, but those are romantic comedies, a lot of them. <laughs> so there's, there's jokes, and they're kind of funny. This is like this earnest, weird romance that doesn't work at, on any level for me um i didn't i didn't buy their love story at all um i didn't buy them as a quote-unquote couple at all it felt like someone watched ghost and said hey let's make <laughs> that but not as good go you know like i just yeah. it, i did not buy anything about this movie i mean look so Meg Ryan plays a surgeon in this film, a doctor, and she's she seems to be a very smart, level-headed lady in this movie. And she meets a guy, who, who what she thinks is a guy, who tells her that he doesn't have a job and he lives at the library, yet she <laughs> continues to date this man. That is never going to happen in real life. And somehow they magically have this intense love for one another that we never see formed in any way, shape, or form. It just exists. Like I, it's it was bad. This was a really bad I, movie. I, 
That's the thing is like I can see all of that because this these are the things I was mad about but like it and and it's one reason why I think Nick Cage did well in this because it kind of I think it worked. <laughs> There's the, like the scene with the library I think is a really good example mm. because it's it, they have this conversation. Nick Cage does uh, and I I don't even remember what the other movie was where we disagreed about this. And oh, um, it was uh, Firebirds. Oh God, where, yeah. <laughs> where you did not get that either. But I, I felt he was very charming in this. Mm-hmm. Like Nick Cage, he's just a very charismatic man. So I, there's like, so there's this conversation that they're having that's very weird on like a script dialogue level, where he is saying stuff like, "I live at the library," but he pulls it off in a way where it's like you don't know if he means he like literally lives at the library or if he's saying it as like a he's just there so much because he reads and then it's kind of a double whammy because she's like you know what do you do and he's like i read and Mm. she's like no what do you do like and he just he really carried a lot of that romance stuff for Mm. me because he's like it because even though you don't see them falling in love which is my big problem with so many i there are so many Meg Ryan movies that I just don't like because, you know, they have that falling in love montage and then that's it. And it's like, I don't buy this. Mm-hmm. And, and on paper, this gives us even less. But it's just it's a role where Nick Cage is supposed to be like quirky and kind of distant and unknowable. And we get to see him doing that. But and for some reason, like, I just, I, I bought it. I feel like this movie forces him into a position where all that charisma and quirkiness and interestingness is sucked out of the performance by necessity of the role it's asking him to play. I mean, he tells her he, not only does he tell her he doesn't have a job and lives at the library, he <laughs> literally in that conversation refers to himself as a messenger of God. I don't care how attracted you are to that man, ladies. Do not date him. <laughs> I'll prob- that's good advice. You, um, your I can't body even argue. will be found in a basement somewhere. Do not date that man. Um, it, it just no. It so, this doesn't work for me at all and, in any way, shape, or form. I did think, like, I was. <laughs> I thought it for a minute, I thought maybe he was some sort of weird, deranged psychopath because he kept showing up in the operating room and just hanging out and watching these medical procedures happen. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? What is this guy? Is this like Jack the Ripper or something? What is going on? <laughs> um, it, it just, yeah, nothing worked for me. I didn't the- buy their relationship <laughs> for one second in this movie. And this movie, this kind of movie hinges on me buying their relationship. And when I don't, then it just completely doesn't work for me. I mean, I, I spoilers for the end of this movie. When she died, I laughed out loud. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, the, before we move too far away from the Meg Ryan movie thing, um, okay. kind of building up to that, we've talked a lot about how Nick Cage movies very often. Uh, and this is more of a modern era Nick Cage, uh, but we've alluded to it on this podcast where some of his best roles are roles where he seems to be making a different movie than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt that way about Meg Ryan here. Like I, f- yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt like she was the only one making a rom-com and everybody else is making like a really just like, sad art film around right. her yeah like, I, can, I can see that um 
but it did make the end of that so god the end of the i i'm so mad at myself for buying into this i really am because it's <laughs> i i can't even argue it's it's kind of dumb. It's uh, real and, dumb, Cass. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's I, okay. If you like it, it's okay to like I, dumb things. I, that's I fine. Know. I just, I'm baffled that you liked it, but I'm that happens. I'm also baffled that I like it because uh, it, it's very frustrating. And a lot of the issues that I had with it were like about their relationship. Uh, and I do have, I have some problems with this movie. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them are around Meg Ryan's portion of the movie. Cause again, I felt like she was making a different movie than everyone else. And that kind of sincerity, it worked sometimes for me because it helps carry uh, like the end of the movie. Like you said, uh, when she dies, like it's I very so hard cat. You have no idea how hard I laughed at that. It was the funniest I, thing. It was, it almost death. saved the movie for me. <laughs> It's it's the culmination of why it frustrates me that I like this movie because it's it's so dumb to have a scene like that in a rom com, mm -hmm. and uh, it was my it was my least favorite scene of the movie because it's she's just like having a conversation with him while she's dying from mysterious injuries <laughs> from biking into a log <laughs> truck, and I'm like th I hate this, but then like. There were aspects of this movie that just really worked for me, and I, and I can't even say that I disliked her death scene because there was something like because the scene itself is so dumb, and I was like, this, I, it's terrible. But then, like the aftermath of that, I thought was phenomenal, and it's like, well, clearly, I, this wouldn't have, I wouldn't be thinking the end of this movie were great if I hadn't bought into the death a little bit. Like, I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, and it was like, it was very frustrating because for his movie, like for the movie that him and everybody else was making, it makes a lot of sense that she dies, and that's like really emotional and stuff. But it was just, it was so jarring with like the biking out for pears montage <laughs> like i just it's very hard for me to reconcile the parts that i didn't like mm -hmm. with the rest of my experience with this film <laughs> like because yeah. that was so out of place yeah also i they did a good job i guess it the only thing that i really liked about this movie were, was they did a good job of showing lake tahoe in this movie i lived there for five <laughs> years and i thought it looked great um all right for the most part, I didn't like it. I mean, I did enjoy the death scene because it was the f so funny <laughs> to me that he went through all this bullshit and I sat through all this long ass movie because this movie is like almost two hours long and it feels it's like long. a day and a half. And, and and then they're together for like literally one night and boom, she's dead. And it was so funny to me. <laughs> um. I was bothered by the look of the angels also. Why did they look like a creepy suicide cult? I love that they look like a creepy. <laughs> so that is, that's one of the things that works for me. I love the angel lore in this because, I, <laughs> and maybe this is uh, my own issues with Christianity here, but I love that they're like, ah, yes, 
God is a mysterious voice. The angels have to report to him, but they don't understand him. They will stand at the beach every morning to hear the creepy chorus of sunrise. Mm -hmm. uh, and they'll just wear trench coats around all the time. If one of them falls in love, the rest of them are going to make it look like it could be a problem. <laughs> it's like, Because <laughs> uh, that's just kind of how religion sounds to me all the time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I love that this movie just came up with a bunch of bullshit that's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, they're all dressed like they're getting ready to go shoot up Columbine. <laughs> they, they look so suspicious. And it's yeah. like, you take one of them, out, like you take Nick Cage out of context uh, in that movie. And, you know, other than maybe in the hospital scenes, like he looks like he could just be a dude walking around, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, you get multiple of this outfit in a room and it starts looking very suspicious very quickly. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Yeah, like, think about, like, if you're walking, say you're in a town you don't know, and you walk into a, I don't know, some sort of store or building or whatever, and there's just a bunch of people dressed like that, you're not going to think, oh, angels, you're going to turn no. around and get the hell out of there. You're just going to get out. I mean, I, best case scenario, they're hell's angels, and so you still need to get the hell out of there. You still need to leave. Um, that is one of the things that I like unironically fully without frustration loved about this movie right. uh there's a shot that i think is great uh i, I we've talked about it uh, we've talked about the scene already where they're talking in the library for the first time and it zooms out and there's just the whole library is just fucking full of angels that are all staring at them yes. and it's so ominous the camera's like panning around <laughs> and all of these men in black trench coats are just angrily glowering at the pair of them i love it so much uh yeah. i i just thought that was great and it's also because that's before you really fully understand like all of what's happening in this movie so it's you don't know if she can see other angels at this point yet or not. So she might or might not be flirting with Nick Cage, like as she's looking at everybody. Yeah, it's there's a lot going on, by the way, with the mythology of the angels. I feel like it wasn't quite clear, like not sometimes quite. they can be seen and sometimes they can't or something. I wasn't real sure what was happening with that. I just I, whatever. I just kind of brushed it off. My biggest problem with this, and, and this is not as a, um, I, because I think Meg Ryan also did what was required of her in this movie. Um, I, I don't necessarily blame her for this, but I think my perfect version of City of Angels is the exact same story, exact same cast, but we take out like all of Meg Ryan's plot at the hospital. Like, I just want a movie where I get nick cage angel lore i guess okay. and it's fine that it's like 90 <laughs> minutes and i and i i like the love story of this like it uh it really does work for me but okay. i think it works better if we just see like the devastating effects that it has on him and maybe less on the like them falling in love like i didn't need to see that much of it um i, I liked bits and pieces of it other Bits and pieces felt really silly. I hated the, like, it's not even a B plot, like a C plot, where if she doesn't, if Nick Cage doesn't fall for her, uh, Seth, I'm sorry. Seth, also a very dumb name. Yeah, for an <laughs> angel. Yeah. For an angel. But, like, especially because his partner's name is, like, Cassiel. And it's yes. like, what is happening right now? <laughs> um, Cassiel and Seth. Um, <laughs> wonder which one's going to be a human. Um, but it's like, I, 
so parts of it worked parts of it didn't work but i i hated the c plot where it's like if he doesn't fall for her she has to marry distant doctor man like that weekend i I hated that plot so much i i think this movie works a lot better if meg ryan is like not in it a whole bunch you know where it's like because and i think that's the thing because the parts of this that really worked for me were nick cage's reaction like as a love story, I think this is very good. I It's cheesy to say, but it's a very romantic plot of a thing where an angel has to give up his immortality and, you know, like this comfort and his whole life and beliefs to be with this human woman. And we see just like the absolute devastation that losing her causes him and stuff. And like, it just... I loved like the last 10, 15 minutes of this movie. It I feel works. Like- I feel like if the movie you described is the was the movie I watched, I would have enjoyed it. That is the movie I wanted to see, but then like it gets so lost because because we have to see Meg Ryan also fall in love with him, which I just don't think was necessary. I think, and and this is honestly, think there is first of all, I think uh, Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan are both great actors. Yeah, I think there's no chemistry between the two of them. And I think all of the worst scenes in this movie are the scenes where it's just the two of them. (laughs) So I I don't buy their great love. And that's the problem with the movie because this whole thing falls apart. If I don't believe that they're, they have this great love for each other. I think that's fair. I, Um, I did buy it. Okay. I bought it mostly because we get to see his reactions to stuff. And I think it's one reason why I, I kind of wanted less Meg Ryan in this movie. Mm-hmm. I I think it's dangerous. Like, it's a very fine line because there were moments of him being like charismatic and awkward and, and charming in, in just like this very unusual Nick Cage kind of way. Uh, and I think you have to have a couple scenes like that. Like, I don't think you could have taken her out entirely, but Also, you know, the scenes where she's, like, questioning him and, you know, he cuts his hand with a lettuce knife or whatever. Like, that sucked. I hated that. Yeah, that that was all dumb. I didn't need any of that. And her death scene, again, it was was so bad because, like, it didn't make sense. The montage was bad. And then I just, I didn't believe that particular scenario. Like, I bought... And it's so frustrating because I did get emotional watching it because I felt for him. I felt for him so much uh, losing her. But then also it was so dumb, like to die biking into a log truck, picking up pears. I just I hate it (laughs) so much. And it um, made it really frustrating because like after that, you know, we have all of these scenes that just like they they seriously got me after that. I thought the funeral was just devastating. His fallout with his angel partner uh, following that, you know, it, where he confesses that he would have done it over again. Like that mm-hmm. just, that gutted me. And then when Cassian, uh, I'm going to get emotional about City of Angels again today. I hate Cap, this. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> God damn. When Cassian smiles, though, because they can all hear the music and Nick Cage can't hear the music anymore, but he can feel the water. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, that was so beautiful. And I loved it so much. And I wish Meg Ryan had not been in this movie. 
I'm glad. Look, I'm glad the movie worked for you because it did not work for me at all, and I couldn't. I like what was with the uh, a movable feast. Like, why did that book keep coming up? I've read that book. It's been a long time. I don't remember any of this bullshit in it. I, so, actually, a movable feast is one of the only Hemingway books I haven't read. I, oh, I'm thinking about reading it. I remember really liking it, but there's no angels or anything in it. It's typical Hemingway in Paris going around getting drunk. It's what it is. <laughs> like, I could not figure that out. Now, again, it's been a long time since I've read it, but I do not remember anything to do with uh, anything that tied into this story in any way. Um, I, I, what did you think of Dennis Franz in this movie as messenger? Um, so again, a stupid, stupid on the nose name, by the way, come on. Really, it's really like, we're not, they're not even trying to make this a good movie. <laughs> so he was also a part of this that I think was frustrating. Uh, and again, it, it wasn't his, it, it's not his fault. I just, I didn't like that portion of the movie where Meg Ryan is like trying to figure out what's going on with Nick Cage. Because like, there's no, oh, if this had been, if we had reversed it, right? And Meg Ryan is, it's from her point of view and we don't know that angels exist. Mm -hmm. Great rom-com, right? right? Right up right. until she dies. And we laugh about that and it's fine. Because <laughs> it's yeah. the end of the movie. No sad fallout. But like I, I really like Dennis Franz when he's like when he's talking to Nick Cage yes. about stuff. Like they had very interesting dynamics. I thought the lore kind of that passed in between them worked. Um I thought it was really dumb that he was a fallen angel also, because yes. I think part of this plot really hinges on this being like a rare, beautiful once in every several generations kind of love and i i hate that there's just like too many coincidences going yeah. on here where he's in love with a doctor whose patient also is a fallen angel that eats too much or whatever and it's like what no i i do agree with all that that you just said however i do think that messenger stupid as the name is was maybe my favorite character in the movie and i enjoyed his scenes the most he was my favorite character while he was just a human that randomly talked to empty rooms. Sure. Um, I, and and I think it's kind of sweet that he's that in love with his wife. Um, I and he, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was fine because he didn't. His performance was really good. I, mm -hmm. And out of all of the mushy stuff in this movie, one of the things that I bought into most was where he tells Meg Ryan that he had also done this, you know? Yeah. Like, and a lot of it clicks into place. I just kind of wish he had been an omniscient, random, angel-believing human. <laughs> like, sure. Uh, well, that's what I that's thought he was going issue. to be at first. Um, and then, obviously, it was revealed what, what he was. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the movie, Meg Ryan has a patient who dies. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself... Imagine if Meg Ryan killed your father. Like, what a weird day that would be, right? Because on one hand, yay, I got to meet Meg Ryan. On the other hand, you know, dad's dead. Bummer, right? Like, yeah. What are you doing that day? Uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what to make of that day. Is that a good day or a bad day? I, I just you don't know. And you can't even get sympathy for it because, like, imagine trying to tell your friends Meg Ryan killed my right. father. Yeah, they're not going to believe you. Nobody's going to no. believe that Meg Ryan killed your father. Um, uh, another thing that really bothered me about this, uh, 
That's I where did. I was, by the way, in this movie. My okay. notes are imagine if Ragnarok <laughs> because that's how invested I was at that point at the beginning of this movie. I was already like, this is fucking dumb. I I flip flopped a lot watching this one. I right at that point in the movie, I was also th- mad at mm-hmm. this. Um, it was because, and I hate this so much. This is such a dumb thing to be mad about, but like she doesn't scrub into surgery. <laughs> she multiple times doesn't scrub into oh, yeah. surgery. At one point, and then she's... everyone's like, you are such a dedicated and like wonderful yeah. doctor who didn't do anything wrong ever. And it's like, she didn't wash her fucking hands. Yeah. At one point she's on the phone and they call her back in and she just walks in and immediately sticks her hands in a man's chest cavity. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, she they put the gown on her and gloves just spawn on her (laughs) hands and she shoves them like right back into this dude. We see like three other men wash their hands in this movie and we watch her in the bathroom we watch her in the kitchen we watch her in <laughs> surgery she does her hands don't touch water a single time she like it drove it. me crazy <laughs> yeah she, she doesn't believe in washing your hands apparently and it's and it's one of those like you know <laughs> you can you can call this like a really dumb complaint but it also like they didn't do a good job showing her dedication to patients in this movie um, they make a big deal, which is one of the, because the B plot, the C plot, whatever, with her and what's his name, no, other doctor. Totally unnecessary. I did it not need that so in this movie. so unnecessary to this. And it drove me especially crazy because it like, that hinges on the fact where he's like, they had that line in there where it's like, we're the same species. And it's like, I've watched enough medical dramas to have seen that scene a thousand <laughs> times before. <laughs> like, it's a real trope. I get it. But it hinges on the, like, both of them being so dedicated to being doctors that they have time for nothing else. And all she's been asking of this dude is like, let's spend more time together. And then he's like, we're the same. And it's like, no, she's mushy. Let her yeah. be mushy. Like, yeah. I just, it, and then like, because and he, when he says the whole we're the same species thing you know it's because she's going to say it back to nick cage who literally is not the same species <laughs> as her. and it, like it drove me crazy because it's like this feels so forced in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and, well what a, well, oh. here's the thing this is here's i think this sums up a lot of, of this movie for me is that it can't just be like one thing it has to be one thing plus a bunch of extra stuff to make yeah. it more sappy and cheesy. And that is the fact that she, it's not good enough that her as an amazing doctor, she saves a baby that nobody else can figure out what's wrong with. No, she saves the baby that they found in the dumpster behind the pancake house or whatever, because we so get so much backstory about this dumpster baby from that one doctor <laughs> that I did not need or care about. It's she just saves a baby. It's fine. It doesn't have to be the dumpster baby. Yeah. It's so weird to me. Like, they try so hard in this movie to, like, I guess that's what it is. I feel like I can see them trying to manipulate me. Yeah. And I don't, when I can see the strings, it, it doesn't work. You I, know? Um, that's it. The that, strings that's are exactly. all over this fucking movie. I saw... You have just put your finger on, I think, maybe what it has been that's been driving me so crazy about it. Because something uh, the nick cage plot of this movie works for me so well i got i i cried at the end of city of angels um uh, and 
it was uh and it was so frustrating because i did feel manipulated by a lot of the stuff and usually i like seeing stuff like that it also irritates me so there was like it was very frustrating it was a very jarring experience for me to be able to like see the strings and feel so like annoyed about being manipulated while also feeling the things that they wanted me to feel and i think a lot of that was nick cage's performance here right. because so many other things about this movie just don't work. Yeah, no, I none of it worked for me. I had complete. I did not feel what they wanted me to feel. The only thing I felt was annoyed. <laughs> annoyed at the fact that this movie is way longer than it needs to be. Annoyed at the fact that I paid three fifty to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was annoyed about a lot of things. I um, I also I paid three fifty to see this movie and mm -hmm. then found out that I own a DVD of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty annoyed about that right now myself. Um, I mean, so the only other note that I have is, um, the, again, just another example of how cheesy this movie is. They actually play that Sarah McLaughlin song, Angel, which they is that? A, do. Is that the dead puppy song or whatever? It is. It's yeah. I mean, I was just song. like, what and what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> it made me wonder if that was why this was chosen as the dead puppy song. Like, I don't know which one came first. I, I'm sure that this movie came first. So I, I wonder if like enough people were impacted by City of Angels that they were like, this is the new sad song. I guess. I don't know. I just, I, I it was a big eye roll for me. We only hear Iris once. Um, and it's not even the real version. It's like the acoustic yeah. B-side version of yeah. Iris. Yeah. And again, I'm not the world's biggest Goo Goo Dolls fan or anything, but I was like, at least I'll be able to sing along while that song's on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, so. I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on. I'm I'm pretty out on City of I, Angels. I just, I, this movie did something to me today. It, this was one of the most frustrating things that I've ever been through. I hate that I kind of liked it. I, and I, I'm having a really tough time already. You're going to, we're, we're going to fight probably about scores. I, there's not a number I could give this that I think you are going to think is low enough. Um, but I just, it's very frustrating because it's like, I feel both very in love with the parts of this movie that worked for me and also devastated that I didn't get the movie I wanted out of this. <laughs> like, because it, the potential, I feel like there was so much wasted potential here with the cast and, and with the story. And I just, I really love the, cult angel sad romance half of this movie and it's so dumb that it was only half of the movie like that should have been the whole thing yeah i i feel really let down by that but also like i wouldn't be this frustrated that it let me down if if it hadn't worked on some level you know it's just it's man <laughs> I'm having yeah. a tough time. City of Angels has just like ruined my day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I really expected us to come in here and have a good time making fun of City of Angels. Uh, I'm, I'm stunned that you you seem to like this movie as much as you did. But, uh, know. you know, that's, that's what happens from time to time, I guess. And, you know, I, look, I'm sure you were stunned at how much I like Peggy Sue got married. I was, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, these, these things happen. We both hated Zandali, so record, that was fun. I'm also stunned that I liked City of Angels because <laughs> I, 
I I liked the cold <laughs> open a lot. Um, like I watched the first few minutes and I was like, I like this. And then we immediately, like, as soon as we got past that, I started getting annoyed and it's like, I'm going to hate this movie. And then I got to the end of the movie and I didn't. And it's like, I don't, I don't know what's happening to me today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, are you ready to jump into the bees? I'm ready to jump into the bees. (laughs) What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees. Not the bees. Ah! We give uh, each movie two scores. One is a Nicolas Cage score. The other one uh, is a score for the movie itself. The Nicolas Cage score is not just the score of Nicolas Cage's performance, but also the film's use of Nicolas Cage. Uh, Kat, what do you give City of Angels for a Nick Cage score? Uh, For a Nick Cage score, I'm giving this a 7.5. He carries the part of this movie that works but he was also underutilized like they they didn't use him enough the whole movie should have been nick cage that's on them but he did <laughs> perfectly with what they asked him to do okay um i give it a four <laughs> okay um i don't think it's a bad performance i i do think he actually gives a, a pretty good performance it's a restrained performance which i don't mind we've talked about that before he's sometimes yeah. his restrained performances um are, are still amazing I think that um, the 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 great sin that this movie creates is it gives me an, a restrained Nicolas Cage performance for three quarters of the runtime or more, and then gives me the performance that I wish I had gotten for the entire movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I couldn't get behind it. This it's a four for me, and it's I don't it's no fault of Nicolas Cage. It's just I honestly don't think he was he was this is a great role for him. No. Um, and, uh, and I did read that he, he took this because he was looking for, say he did three action movies in a row, as we know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and he was looking for something else and this, this came across his desk and he said that the spiritual elements of the the script really spoke to him in some ways. So that's why he took it. Um, but yeah, I just, ultimately this is not, not the Nicolas Cage. This isn't the Nicolas Cage I want to see. You mentioned like the you mentioned it again the performance that like you had wanted to see from him here can you imagine what an absolute banger of a movie this would have been if it had opened with the spiritual angel stuff and then like an hour of the movie had been nick cage like he sees her he instantly falls in love we don't get to see her very much after that he comes to earth and then it's like an hour of him trying to figure out how to be human and like fumbling with showers and stuff right and then like and then she, you know, dies before he confesses her love or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before he confesses his love. And then, you know, at the end, he's he's yeah. still like sad and mopey. Like, yeah. that's a perfect 10 out of 10 film right there. Absolutely. Because once he becomes human, I'm enjoying the hell out of his performance. I'm already that. checked out of this movie by that point because it's <laughs> fucking dumb. But I was enjoying his performance and the things that he was doing after that point. The problem is it's only the last quarter of the movie or so. Like, they had the recipe for success here. Yeah. And it's not even the whole quarter of the movie. It's only really a little bit. And then he just becomes sad, mopey ex-angel Nicolas Cage. So, yeah, no, I I just I did not care for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I can tell you now, the numbers are not going to get higher as we go. Um, well, yeah. Um. <laughs> what do you give? What do you give a City of Angels as a movie, Cat? I... I was all over the place with this one. Um, I 
and I don't feel real confident, but I have landed, for better or worse, at an eight. <laughs> what? Um, okay, um, that's a number. <laughs> it's, a, it's a number. I, I don't know how we got here, but it's where I'm at. I... The thing is, is that it also made me mad. I, And when I look at the other movies that have eights, none of those made me mad. So, but like, I did get really frustrated at some of my 7.5s, though. So, yeah. I, and this one just, I, I hate it so much, but the parts that worked really, really worked for me. Wow. Um, all right, well... These are polar opposite scores we've got here. Uh, yeah, we really do have an opposite. Peggy Sue got me. <laughs> yeah, because I, uh, I'm giving City of Angels a two, um, and I feel like the two is generous. To be honest with you, as I look through my scores, this feels a lot closer to Firebirds at a one um, than it does to uh, Amos and Andrew at a two. But I'll leave it at the two because that I was, was my initial thought. It, it has to be a it has to be a two because otherwise it's Zandali <laughs> that can't be right right <laughs> got to be better than Zandali. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a two uh, for me, and uh, it it should it's that's being very generous to to City of Angels. I did not enjoy this movie at all. Um, going in, I was I, I had never seen this movie because again, it does not look like the kind of movie that I would enjoy watching. Um, You're correct. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I sat down and I was like, all right, well, you know, I can be wrong sometimes. Uh, I was not wrong on this day um, because, yeah, this movie was a slog to get through. I, I did not enjoy it at all. It didn't work for me on any level. Um, again, I could see the strings. I knew what they were trying to do, and uh, it just wasn't happening. So, yeah, it's uh, this was a complete whiff of a movie for me. Um, but that um, is... Uh, we're we're in a weird spot where even though I really liked this one, this movie is going to live rent free in my brain for like months following this. I, I'm gonna be thinking about this one a lot. I I really liked it when I did. That being said, I cannot wait to get back to some dumb action movies. Like I don't right. <laughs> I don't want to have this experience again. Well, you're not gonna have to wait long. Good. <laughs> uh, because our next movie up is the 1998 Brian De Palma film Snake Eyes. Woohoo! Um, have you seen Snake Eyes before? I have not seen Snake Eyes before. Okay. I saw it when it was new. Um, I will tell you, I did not like it when I when I saw it. Um, but also, that was 1998, and uh, my taste in things has changed quite a bit since then. Um, so I, I'm going into this, uh, optimistic, uh, looking forward to, to Snake Eyes. It is, uh, 1998. It's Brian De Palma. It's sort of a, if I remember correctly, sort of like a crime kind of thriller sort of thing. Okay. Um, where there's, he's a detective. I think Nick Cage plays a detective and there's a murder at a boxing match or something. So there's, you know, everyone's a suspect sort of thing, but it's not really like a whodunit, you know? Do we get um, to see more ridiculous Nick Cage? That's all I want after this. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think so. This is going to be much more in line with what I'm looking for in a Nick Cage movie than City of Angels uh, was. So yeah, that uh, that'll be next week on the Nick fucking Woo Cage Cast. Uh, Snake Eyes, Cat. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cat underscore velour. You can check out my website catvelour uh, dot My book, The Desert Island Game, should be out. Uh, 
this week, today or yesterday uh, when this releases. And uh, yeah, you can check out the other show that Rob and I do, Slasher Radio, where we talk about horror movies. And also, seldom agree, just like City of Angels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Things get a little more contentious over there for some reason than they do here, but... This is a very uh, I, civil, classy show. It is. It is. You know, I think it's our other co-host over there on Slash Radio that drags everything down into the gutter. Yeah. You know, he he really he doesn't he doesn't know how to class the joint up over there. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, check us out there. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Radio Rob One Two Three. And uh, again, join us next week when we talk about 1998's Face Off here in the Nick Fucking Woo Cage Cast. Snake Eyes. What'd I say? Face off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Join us next week when we talk about 1998 Snake Eyes here on the Nick fucking Woo Cage cast. And now I have a decision to make. Do I leave it like that or not? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs>